And I went into day two and day two turned out to be the day of the storm. We had a mm-hmm. wicked sandstorm. It was just something I had never, ever experienced before. And I don't think I was quite prepared for that. It was where you lose visibility just because the sand is, and, it, and the sand is blasting you so hard, like at 90 kilometer an hour winds with wow. sand blowing at your bare skin. My shins were starting to bleed from being so sandblasted. Wow. Welcome to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Discover the inspiring stories of the average and not so average runners. And they're off. Now we're moving on to part two of our Marathon de Sable with Caroline Weeb. From Winnipeg, that's right. From what we know about her, she finished the race in 55 plus hours. She's done a few hundred milers in the U.S. She's been running for just over 10 years. And this is her big, big dream. She's been trying to get here for two years, but because of the pandemic. Right. Can't wait to uh, hear her her story. Yeah, Absolutely. Let's get to it. Here's Caroline. Welcome to the podcast, Caroline Weave from Winnipeg. Thank you. Thank you. Nice <laughs> well, to be here. Nice to meet you. I'm afraid to ask you what's happening outside right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really want to know. I'm supposed to be going to work after lunch. So <laughs> okay. it's, uh, we were going through a blizzard at the moment. But that's pretty typical yeah. for, the, for mid-April in Manitoba, from what I understand. <laughs> Yes, it's not unusual, <laughs> for sure. Well, welcome to the podcast, and congratulations on finishing Marathon de Sable. Thank you. But first, we want to know how everything all started on your whole running journey. So let's go back and tell us how you even started running. I've been running for uh, around 10 years now, I guess. I have never really was a runner before. I used to play some team sports such as volleyball when uh, in high school and and the years after high school but then starting a family and things i just kind of got away from doing sports and other things became more important and mm-hmm. and just kind of didn't do anything so i i wanted to get back into doing kind of uh, sports uh, or some kind of exercise or something for myself for my for my own health and and um so i picked up running I actually hated it in the beginning but it was it was the only thing that I could do uh, as far as scheduling with my work and and having young kids and everything so um, well the kids were already in school at that time but still they were having busy schedules of their own and then mine just always was whenever I had time and running just seemed to be the the fitting sport for that reason. So I picked up running and I started <laughs> signing up for events and enjoyed it and kind of got hooked. And that's how it all started. Cool. My first well, we, run was a five kilometer run on Mother's Day with my kids. Oh, that's nice. That's, that's yeah. a good way to start. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, before we get to Marathon de Saba, there's some other races that we're interested to know about. We noticed that you did uh, that look kind of interesting. We always like to ask people about races that we haven't either heard of or haven't experienced. So the Jackpot Ultra in Nevada, which again looked like a fairly flat race, but it's a good place to get your your mileage in and get time on feet. I imagine that's one of the parameters that you use to choose events too, based on what you're training for. I was wondering, how did you go from 5K up to such a bigger distance? 
uh, I did a couple of half marathons and then uh, full marathons, you know, just kind of gradually started increasing the distance and, and uh, went to uh, 50k uh, in Calgary was my first ultra like the 50k that they had. It was a road run. And then uh, I said to the kids, one day will be mom's day and it will be a, a long run. So <laughs> I signed up for the 100 mile race and it was kind of cool because the kids could come and go. We, they were staying with friends during that time. They could come and go and see me. It's a looped course. Mm-hmm. Um, that, actually, that, that one, I won the second place uh, female on that 100 miler. Nice. And, uh, nice. That came to a total surprise because I... Uh, totally did not race it and by any means I just had a really good run in the park that day and (laughs) and I was very very surprised when I finished in the morning that they told me I had one second place female in that uh, in that competition and and that was kind of by fluke you know it was it was positive uh, you know a pleasant surprise but it was was sweet but um, just had a really good run that night and or that day and and then again I went back uh, just before Marathon de Saps, simply because I wanted to use it as a training run, time on feet, experiencing some heat coming from Manitoba, you know, just <laughs> in pre- preparation for Marathon de Saps. And I didn't want to push myself to 100 miles three weeks prior to Marathon de Saps just to prevent injury because I wanted to use it as an as a training run. Of so course. that's why I signed up for the 24 hours. And I just kind of took my time. I ran 110 kilometers. Uh, I could have run a lot more. Uh, I just flew into Vegas, stayed at the hotel, and then took an Uber to the race. And I had my suitcase at the side of the trail. <laughs> I just had my stuff on it. And I went right back to, or the plan was to go right back to the airport after I finished mm-hmm. and then fly back home. It was nice. a good training run. <laughs> so let's talk marathon de sable (laughs) yeah (laughs) when did this race come on your radar uh probably early um like i would say about seven or maybe even eight years ago when i very early on when i started running long distance endurance runs i had heard about it and then uh, I was intrigued by it and I was curious about it. And, and I thought, well, this is definitely not something I can ever do because <laughs> I, I don't do that kind of stuff. You know, I'm just a regular person that runs for fun and to just join races randomly when they go on vacation with their kids <laughs> just to finish. You know, I just I just like to enjoy the long runs and meet all these people along the way. And to me, time doesn't really matter so much as long as I can meet the cutoff times and mm, right. and make it to the finish line uh, healthy and not injured. That's always my goal. But I read about this race and, and it was just a dream. You know, I thought, well, this is just a, a dream that will never come true anyways. <laughs> but I watched every YouTube video there was out there about this race. And I came across a book from a gentleman who has run the Marathon de Saps multiple times. He lives here in Manitoba. Oh, and I think at the time he lived in Germany, but mm-hmm. he does now live in Manitoba. So I got his book and I read it. It's called Sand in My Shoes. by. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good name. What's the author's name? Uh, his name is Albert Martins. Okay. He, yeah, he lives in, in Manitoba. So I got in contact with him and we talked about the book and we talked about his races and stuff. And, 
it just, I always kept putting it on the bucket list. Maybe one day I can do this, but I thought, no, it would be too big of a race for me to tackle. <laughs> but then uh, he convinced me, he said, anybody can do that, uh, a race. You put your mind to it, you train for it, prepare for it. You can do it. You can do it too. There was more people I found out and learned about from here that had done it before so mm-hmm. I talked to them and one being a good friend of mine now we we become friends over the years uh, her name is Sue Lucas she's another Manitoba woman that has completed Marathon de Sabs mm-hmm. uh, she's a she's a competitive long distance endurance runner we're, we're we're good friends now but she's she encouraged me a lot too to just like if it's your dream she says you should do it caroline i know you can do it just prepare yourself for it and you can do it so i thought okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do it and what is a bit, what better time than t- to treat myself to a seven day stage race for my 50th birthday so i awesome. thought oh, i'm gonna do it when i turn 50 i'm gonna do it for my birthday COVID came and got in the way. So I didn't mm-hmm. sign up last year, which is when I turned 50. But then I signed up for it this year. And Did you have to qualify or do any qualifying? No, you don't no? need to qualify. No. Okay. No, you just need a lot of money and, <laughs> <laughs> and fill out a lot of forms. You do have to pass some tests, like medical, medical mostly. Right. Uh, right. You have to pass in order to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This being a spring race, how do you train in the cold winter of Manitoba? I can't even imagine how hard it is to train in Manitoba winters for a spring race. How did that happen? <laughs> that was uh, definitely not ideal. <laughs> running in the snow is similar to running in sand from what I've experienced. Did you take advantage of some of those heavy snow days to get out there in fresh powder? Uh, yeah, I did. I did do some running and I did some marching, if you want to call it, or power mm-hmm. walking with the heavy pack in the snow, such as on the lake. We had such severe cold days this winter too, that I didn't want to be out there for too terribly long with the, mm-hmm. I have really bad uh, runout syndrome as well. So oh, really? I'm always, yeah. always careful not to go too far from home right, uh, right. on those really, really cold days. But yeah, I did, I did some longer runs in the snow. Definitely. I don't, I guess that helps because it's running, it's hard running in the snow and it's hard running in sand. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so right. that was kind of mimicking it a little bit, I guess the snow and the sand. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a lot of my training was spent on the treadmill. Mm. Uh, and I did because of the uh, cold and then it's uh, our sidewalks, they, we had so much snow in Winnipeg that the city stopped clearing the sidewalks. Oh wow! Uh, this winter, yeah. So there was really not a lot of places I could run outside, other than going to uh, River Trail or something. But then mm-hmm. again, I, I just kind of hopped on the treadmill after work uh, with a heater next to me just to <laughs> put the extra heat. I did buy one of those sweatsuits too. <laughs> and I did my strength workouts wearing the sweatsuit, but not too often. And, you know, it's just, uh, I, I felt it was just dehydrating me <laughs> so much because <laughs> you're sweating so much and then you have to just drink all that water. But um, well, the, the treadmill would definitely help your mental game. I would say, it, I would think. <laughs> yeah, it sure did. Yeah, definitely okay. a mental game to get on the treadmill. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Uh, we noticed that there's a, there was a great, 
pretty good Canadian contingent at the race. Did you get to know anybody ahead of time or did you meet everyone once you got there? We had a kind of like a Facebook group chat going before the race started. Mm-hmm. So we kind of knew who was coming and 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 stuff, but I'd never met any of, of the other runners prior to we got when we were getting to the desert. Okay. Mm-hmm. I only right. met them in person there. Yes. Right. Okay. Okay. Let's uh let's talk about race day. You got there, everything settled, you 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 registered yourself in, and now everyone's at the start line. What are you feeling? What's what's going through your mind? That you a lot of emotion. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of emotion. Uh, it was. I was standing at the start line and thinking back all these times I watched this very same event kind of thing unfold on the uh, uh, videos that I was watching. The music, the announcers, <laughs> the people, the crowds, the mountains surrounding the desert, and very very surreal i bet it it was it was a very emotional moment and there was this this one lady from she's from vancouver we were standing beside each other and and she grabbed my arms and she says we're here and i said (laughs) i know we are starting this is actually happening (laughs) it was a very surreal moment to actually and and i must say it kind of felt like that almost every day because we're starting and that same starting line every day, right? Mm, Except right. the one day where we have a two-day window to finish the long stage. But so six times we are in a starting corral, you know, like starting that's, a new that's, day. Yeah. That's that's an interesting about stage racing. You're all just start together. And then you yeah. get to know each other through the night. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You start out every morning. Everybody has uh, different abilities, different goals, different reasons why they're there. But everybody is starting the same starting line every morning. Everybody finishes the same finish line at different times, obviously. But but then we all end up being back in the same tent for the night. And we can share our stories that happen throughout the day and stuff and prepare for the next day. That's amazing. I can't wait to do a stage race. Yeah, there's so I many stage wait. races happening. <laughs> yeah, So fun. Yeah. What were the sleeping conditions like? Because I, I have heard a little bit that it can be a little rough. <laughs> and it's cold yes. at night, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a light sleeper. Oh. And that is never a good thing. No. <laughs> Especially not if you're like being laying beside a complete stranger on the ground uh, where there's rocks underneath you and you just have this thin <laughs> sleeping bag. <laughs> and it's, uh, likely that there will be somebody that's snoring and oh, <laughs> how many people in the same tent eight oh. it's like a sardine box oh my like gosh. you're just like sausage in there beside each oh. other and good thing that those sleeping bags are kind of uh, keeping your limbs intact or else you would be hitting each other I guess because <laughs> wow. you're like just so close to each other and we had a couple uh, people in our tent that were snoring and as soon as you lay down they fall asleep and start snoring and of course I lay there wide awake I think the most I slept was four hours a night oh my gosh uh, it was <laughs> it was rough but I went there prepared uh, and I mentally I was very well prepared that this will happen I just like it's just, just going to be what it is and I'm yeah. going to just suck it up and <laughs> we're just going to make the best of it and <laughs> 
And, um, but yeah, so it, the sleeping was not the best. No. <laughs> mm. Oh, Definitely that's not. But I kept telling myself, it's just one week. That's all it is. Get my yeah. bed back in <laughs> a week. <laughs> <laughs> I can do this for one week. <laughs> now, what about eating? What did they provide you with? one meal at the end of the day or how did that work uh no we were there two days prior to um to the start of the race mm -hmm. on the day of the the first stage starts that is that breakfast is already our own and we bring all our own food for the entire seven days oh. it has to be all packaged and labeled with how many calories there's a minimum of two thousand calories per day you have to show that you have okay and okay. it's not like you can eat some of your calories from tomorrow today because <laughs> then you don't have the right amount tomorrow unless you have more than 2000 you still have to have for each day you have to be able to show 2000 calories i had mine all weighed out everything labeled and packaged for each day so i only just opened my daily bag with food in the morning and then I'd have my breakfast and whatever I was going to have for lunch or for the uh, duration of the race. And then for the dinner, I only ate one meal a day, which was a dehydrated, well, actually two meals. The, the breakfast was a, uh, an oatmeal, always an oatmeal with dried fruit and nuts. Okay. And then, okay. And then for uh, lunch, well, we are running throughout the day, right? So I right. had my food or fuel that I had uh, prepared for the duration of the race and then at the end of the day when I finished I would drink a recovery a shake mm -hmm. every day like as soon as I finished I would drink that shake get that in so my muscles could start repairing and and I could you know I felt like I was starting to refuel and get ready for the next day and then at after that before dark would boil some water we had to bring our own little cooker we had to bring our own little mm -hmm. uh, fuel the espit tablets that you light to boil your water three little tablets boil one cup of water and i needed two cups of water for each meal wow so, so did you have to carry all seven days worth of fuel? correct so correct. how much did you, how much did your bag weigh starting it weighed starting without water nine kilos wow okay okay uh, not sure what that's in pounds but i think that's close to 20 yeah. yeah, it wasn't light and it wasn't pleasant and it was painful on my shoulders, to <laughs> no say the least. It was getting really, 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 really sore, my shoulders. But then your pack gets lighter as the week goes on because you're eating your food. Although right. for me, it seemed like mine never got lighter. I don't know why. It just <laughs> probably felt like it. Yeah. So the, everything you have to carry, there is nothing that they provide other than water. And how often are they providing water? Uh, at the finish line, we would get three bottles, which is six liters, I guess. At okay. the end of the day, you get your water and that has to last you for the, for your dinner, for your recovery, for your night and for your morning, plus to refill your water bottles, uh, for your pack, uh, for your, until your first checkpoint in the race. Wow. But those those three bottles will last you. Every time they give you water, uh, your bib number or your runner number is written on each bottle. So if 
for whatever reason, your empty bottle gets found and brought in, you get a penalty because you have to dispose of your own bottles. And uh, you, you got to make sure that you don't leave them lying around anywhere. So is it a time penalty? Yes, a time penalty. Ah. You get a time penalty for for littering, and all your water bottles are labeled with your bib number. So okay. you better hold on to those in the wind. <laughs> fly away, and someone turns it in, then then it might take you an hour off, or an add a, add an hour to your to your uh, time. Wow. Are you allowed to have a crew to help you prepare each day and all your meals and everything else? No, you're not allowed to have any crew. You're on okay. your own and you're self-sufficient uh, with everything. Okay. So many logistics to <laughs> yeah, think about. You logistics. know, you show up to a marathon, you put your bib on, <laughs> go run. We'll see you yeah, at the end. We'll, that's we'll right. We'll water every you- mile. And yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see, get your medal and go home. This is like but a whole other. Not only yeah, that. And I didn't bring up, I didn't bring anything to, to prepare my dehydrated food in uh, intentionally because it's just one more thing in your backpack that you don't have room for. So what I did is, and almost everyone else did the same. Uh, you cut the water bottle in half mm-hmm. and then you just use that and you eat your, your food out of a cutoff water bottle every day when this was your dream did you were you aware of the logistics well i had studied it so much and yes i i was aware but i i just you know you don't really know what (laughs) what it actually is like until you're living it right got it yeah (laughs) got it and there was a point super painful and very difficult and hard and I questioned myself like did I really want this that bad like, <laughs> and I, then I had to remind myself why I was here this was something that I I wanted that challenge I wanted something bigger than just a hundred miler where you run 24 hours and go home just you know? Just. Well, well, okay, it's not just, but, but you know what I mean? Like, I wanted something yes. bigger. I wanted something different. I wanted a new challenge. And, and I had to remind myself, this is it. This is a new challenge. And this is a bigger challenge. And this is exactly what I had wanted. And here I am. Now, I, now I'm going to just embrace it you exactly. know, and, and, and enjoy what, what I'm doing. Hey guys, if you like what you're hearing so far, then check this out. New for 2022, the Lost Treasure Trail Race. Calling all trail runners to our brand new event, coming to Mansfield, Ontario this May 14th. The Lost Treasure Trail Race features both a 5 and 10K on the beautiful trails at the Mansfield Outdoor Center. As the story goes, the American outlaw Jesse James buried a barrel full of gold coins stolen from a train on his relative's property somewhere in the hills of Malmer. You'll earn your very own coin medal when you cross the finish line. Registration is now open. For more info, go to gotterunracing.com. Now back to Jody and Norm. And what a privilege, really. What a privilege that you can sign up to run in the desert for six days struggling with other people and at the end of the day of course you don't regret it it's an amazing experience and you're so lucky to have done it so that i I feel so privileged yes you're right absolutely (laughs) it's it was incredible an incredible journey to say the least like in such an adventure and i think anybody that 
ever wants to do something like that, just do it. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. No, it's definitely not easy. But you will not regret it. No. <laughs> if well, you want to do we a get, race, go for it. Before we get to the end of this race, I want to talk about the hardest day, which I is I imagine it must have been stage four, which is the 80 80k or something like that. Yeah, it was almost 86 kilometers. Mm. Yeah, take uh, us through that no, day. It wasn't my hardest day. Oh, okay. Uh no, I'm kind of I kind of like that stuff where you go through the night, you see the sunset and you just keep going and you're going through the dark and it gets cold at night and you're just waiting for the sun to rise. <laughs> I like that. That's where, why I like the hundred milers so much. I think is mm. because you go all day, it gets colder. It's kind of like a new race, but you're still in it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the the long stage went it was difficult. Absolutely. I'm not saying it wasn't, it wasn't difficult. It was very painful at night. My feet were quite blistered and swollen by then. And they were, the shoes were just rubbing so much. And you had to go over so much rock that it really hurt. Like it was painful, but the worst stage or the most difficult stage for me was the stage two, the mm -hmm. second day. Oh, I don't know. I hadn't eaten uh, or fueled enough i hadn't i had very just a slightly over 2000 calories a day and i hadn't even eaten them all so going through this, these workouts where you're climbing mountains and sand dunes all day long you're burning way more than 2000 calories so you yeah. need to put that back in if you want to keep going every day right. and my nutrition was off uh, wasn't it wasn't where it should have been and I went into day two and day two turned out to be the day of the storm. We had a mm -hmm. wicked sandstorm. It was just something I had never, ever experienced before. And I don't think I was quite prepared for that. It was where you lose visibility just because the sand is and, it, and the sand is blasting you so hard, like at 90 kilometer an hour winds with wow. sand blowing at your bare skin. My shins were starting to bleed from being so sandblasted wow. for so many wow. hours. And caught up, uh, like, there was a couple of, um, I think about six or seven of us, and we kind of formed a, a cluster, and we walked together into the wind, and it was a, a, a just a small female runner, she was just getting blown away, so we kind of kept her in the center, and then we all kind of huddled around and stayed together, so we wouldn't, and that all those hours uh, walking in that sandstorm, I drank very little water because you were so bundled up to protect your face and your eyes and, and your mouth and nose from the sand and the wind right. that right. I couldn't drink water or I didn't drink water and very little. A few times I took some steps. That was it. I didn't eat anything. So mm -hmm. again, the calorie account, uh, intake was too low and mm -hmm. I ran out of energy. And then at towards the end of stage two we had to summit a mountain yet and then we got closer to the mountain the wind that was blocking the wind obviously so the sandblasting stopped the wind was still strong and uh, depending on which side you were on the wind would catch you but it was the wind was better you were a bit protected in there but then we had to climb up the mountain and it was so incredibly hot that day where you really, really started feeling the heat when this, when the wind was gone down and you're, um, it's all just rocks and I'm climbing and climbing and 
and I was getting pretty shaky and I was just starting to feel so um, fatigued. I sat down on a rock and I realized I was out of water because when the wind stopped, I drank it all and then I didn't have any more. And now I got to still get over this mountain and then run it into the finish line a couple of kilometers after the mountain. Every time I started to get up, I felt I was going to faint. I felt so shaky and faint that I was super scared that I was going to fall. And the trail was very, very steep and, uh, and rocky. It wasn't a place where you want to trip or fall. Mm. And I and I actually got scared and I thought, no, I cannot let fear get into my head here. <laughs> I got to get up this mountain and up, uh, down the other side. It's, there's no way around it. Something I got to do is I just prayed like, God, let me help. Help me get <laughs> over this mountain, please. This <laughs> and uh, one of the ladies, she, she stopped and she says, are you okay? And I said, no, I'm, I'm out of water and I'm really feeling faint. And she says, well, I can give you some water. And a little bit of water she gave me, I poured it on my head because it was burning hot. And then um, and a second lady, two of these ladies, they gave me some water, one that about a quarter of a bottle to drink. And I sipped on that. And I thought, I'm just going to get up and I'm just going to do this. It has, it's got to happen. So yeah. I managed to to do it, but that was my, that was the hardest stage for me. Was stage two. I guess I'm glad you got that over early. Early, yeah. Early yeah. in the stages, yeah. You got yeah. that. You're over the hump early, right? <laughs> but then when I got, when I finished that stage, it it looked like a war zone when you got to camp. All the tents were down. They're flying. The storm was still was so incredibly windy that there was sand absolutely everywhere in our tent like it's not really a tent it's just a tarp at the top like it's it's open all on the sides like front and back it's all open you don't have an actual tent where you climb into it's Mm. just a shelter from the sun a a Mm. black tarp and so it was flopping around and barely holding on to those bikes Yeah. yeah yeah they were just barely holding on and and there was sand absolutely everywhere. There was no way we could cook our dinner that night. Yeah, I can imagine that that must have been the day that most people would just drop out. Yeah, and we had two Canadians drop out that day. Aww. Uh, and that was sad. Uh, they still had to sleep in that sandstorm and the tarp with us. And then they got shipped out or they got taken out with... Uh, back to uh, civilization like they got taken back to the hotel with a with a truck the next day but they still stayed in that storm with us in the tent wow and then but they already had handed in their their uh their numbers before we talk about the last day i just want to know if you were able to contact family or anybody throughout the night to say how you're doing or anybody's wondering what's going on with you yeah, yeah, you can uh, at the end of each day, uh, you are for free, you can go send one email a day. And I was able to receive unlimited emails from whoever I anybody, uh, anybody in the world could email me. Uh, wow. and, like people, strangers that follow you or family or friends or anybody could email me. The emails got printed and then delivered to our tent at the end of the day. That was the highlight of the night. <laughs> Everybody's bet. sitting there with tears on their face and Aww. you're reading all your little emails wow. from your family and friends. So that was pretty cool. 
Yeah, that was nice. You did are you allowed to email and make phone calls as well, but then you have to pay for them. I never did. I just okay. used one little email a day and that was good. Did you get any any emails from strangers that was worth noting? Yes, I did. It was I was totally unexpected, but I got so many emails from complete strangers. Uh, and they're writing, I know you don't know me, but I've been following you and I'm so inspired by what you're doing. And and uh, so I thought, OK, well, you know what? All these people are inspired and, and cheering me on. I just hungry or tired or sore or not. I got to finish this thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. really cool. I want to do that next year. Oh, oh. It was. <laughs> I want to send, oh. send the email. Oh. I don't want to do the yeah. race. I want to oh. send the emails. <laughs> Yeah, you can you can pick whoever you want and uh, send encouraging emails to to an athlete. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, yeah. let's let's take us on your last day. You you finish the stage and you know that this is going to be over. Take us how to go on the very last stage. Now, are you talking the marathon day or the fun run day? The the marathon day. Yeah, the marathon, the marathon day. day. So after having finished the long stage. The next day is the marathon day. I wasn't quite sure how that would unfold because if I would be able to finish in the given time, the marathon, it would depend on how the terrain was because by then I was, I was slow. I was still doing a pretty good power walk, but I wasn't running at all or I hadn't during the long stage. I was mostly just power walking, but the the, the day before the marathon. So I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do my best and hope for the best. And, and it was actually a lot less elevation than I had expected it to be on the marathon, which there was so many runnable sections, my heels being so incredibly blistered. And when I power walk, I heel strike. Mm. So now they're being runnable sections, I was running when you run I'm more on my forefoot so I was giving my heels a break and I yeah, actually yeah. ran most of the marathon like in a, at a slow pace and then the sand dunes of course hiked them but uh, the rest I was doing a slow pace I just kind of paced myself and I stayed at that slow running pace with my with my assistance with my poles and that made it easier and less painful to actually be running and I felt good I felt really good through the marathon stage it was I, I kept saying this is it this is it if I finish at the end I'll get my medal <laughs> and I'll be done you know like it's already the last day and or, or the second last day and uh, somehow the 7.7 kilometers the next day just seemed like nothing and it already <laughs> feels like this is it and it was really really a nice day I met so many people that I had met throughout the week and then we come across each other again on that last marathon stage either I passed them or they passed me and we exchanged some words and of encouragement and congratulations pretty much the whole day you know <laughs> it's it's to me it felt like the marathon day went by very quickly right yeah it must have been so emotional when you crossed the finish line it was, it was a part of you just sad that it was over it was kind of in a way it was sad that it's now it's already over and in a way it was such a relief too you know, it is over and it's actually here it's uh, actually i've actually done it i've accomplished it it was yeah tons and tons of emotion the race director 
I put the put the medal around my neck and he gave me this big hug and I just started bawling and I'm just <laughs> crying and he just kept hugging me and, and he talked I don't speak French and he just kept talking on and on in French I have no <laughs> clue what he said but he was talking he grabbed my face and he Aww. talked to me in French and oh, my tears are just rolling and he was just like <laughs> such a nice man no, I, ha- I have to ask because when you mentioned the food earlier on in the chat the dehydrated this and the dehydrated that first of all I would have been dreaming about food from the first night on. <laughs> I would have been thinking about what my my post-race meal is going to be. I'm sure you were having those thoughts of what you wanted to eat after this. <laughs> so No, you know what? I didn't. I was so prepared to only eat what I had in my pack. And I did not even allow myself to to get to that point where I was thinking or dreaming about other foods. I, I never once felt hungry. I was satisfied with what I had. Hmm. And this is all like I was I had prepared myself mentally so much for it, that right, this right. is, I am going to be come comfortable with the uncomfortable. Hmm. And it worked. The amount of weight I lost in that week, I got it all back in the first week. <laughs> because I just about ate everything. So please tell me what what was your first big meal? Uh, what did you eat? <laughs> well, the first that wasn't the first big meal, but the first encounter with a, with a real food was actually a quite emotional moment. And it was when we were on the bus, we had a six hour ride back to a Quasartet after the last stage. We had driven a couple of hours and the buses all stopped on the side of the highway in the middle of the desert. There's no trees. It's super, super hot. And we all had to get off the bus to eat our bagged lunch. And people are just kind of sitting wherever in the sun and eating their lunch. And I sat down in the shade uh, uh, beside the bus on the side of the pavement so I could sit in the shade and and there was an apple in the bag. I'm telling you, it's the best apple I ever had. My hands were so terribly dirty. I mean, you wipe them with sanitizing wipes and stuff, but my my nails never looked so gross and dirty as they did at that time. And I took this apple and I took a big bite out of the apple and the juice from the apple ran across my... I'm just licking it. I just got tears, actually. You know, this is such a good apple. <laughs> Wow. It smelled so good and it tasted so incredible <laughs> to have that apple. I can Just something imagine. fresh, right? Yeah. Yes. But yeah. yeah, then when we got to the hotel and Quasartat, they had a, a, a very, very big buffet with it just about every imaginable salads and fruits and meats and breads and everything was there, you know, like pastas. And I wanted to eat everything. <laughs> just, I'm sure. Yeah, it was That's so good. They had back in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I want to ask you, you've been running for 10 years now, but where do you think this mental strength came from? Did you always have it your whole life or is it something's just new to you then every, everyone all your family friends are wondering where did this come from are they asking yeah. you this <laughs> yeah i've i get that quite a bit that people say oh you're the most mental strong person i've ever met and uh, i guess 
that is one of my advantages in completing races of this sort and long, hard races is to be mentally strong. I think that it can be learned and then you can work on it and you can uh, prepare yourself. But I think it's just, I don't know, I've been a mentally strong person mm. probably all my life. Yeah. Well, congratulations again. You you completed it in just over 55 hours. Yeah. Which is incredible. Would you ever do it again? I definitely would. I don't know if I would go back to the same race, like to Morocco, just simply because I'm already 50 and <laughs> there's so many other races and uh, parts of the world to explore as well. And exactly. I'd like to just experience different parts of the world and see different things and, and stuff. But I for sure would do it again. Yeah. What other stage races are you thinking about perhaps trans rockies or anything like that i have not uh, i don't i don't know i don't have a stage race bucket list right now this was <laughs> just the only one but now that i've done one i'm definitely going to go look into other ones there is there is another one i believe it's maybe even associated with this one it's in chile ah oh. yeah so, and I am from South America. I thought, oh, they, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's the same format. It's seven days, six stage races, 250 kilometers. Um, I, I did a little bit of reading about it, very, very little. But um, the one thing that they do is they boil your water at the end of the day. So you don't have to make your own fire. Sign me up. <laughs> That's the only thing that I know so far. So. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I'll go to Chile next. <laughs> is that a mountain race? Is that over mountains? Yeah, I think it's this uh, kind of the same. Some flat, some mountains. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, before we let you go, we're going to do a couple rapid fire questions just for fun. Oh, for sure. Okay, here we go. Uh, 70s or 80s music? 70s. <laughs> Beer or wine? Beer. I, that is one question I was going to ask. Actually, did you did you get to have a beer at the buffet at least? Yeah, uh, after the race. After the race. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Good. we had a few. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any tattoos? Yes. Oh, okay. Are you going to get a tattoo for MDS? No. Maybe. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about getting a uh, one inspired by endurance racing but not specifically mds no okay what's your favorite junk food uh don't have a favorite chips maybe chips okay <laughs> what's the last concert you went to um bon jovi ah okay in the 80s <laughs> no not that long ago <laughs> Oh, since your your first language is not English, I assume it's Spanish. Actually, it's German. Oh, German. Okay. Oh. I so grew up in a Spanish country, so I grew up bilingual, but first language is German. So what's your favorite curse word in German, Caroline? Scheiße. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? Shit. <laughs> Shit. Okay. <laughs> and finally, pick a superpower. Other than being able to run for 250 kilometers straight. <laughs> a superpower. You guys are making this hard. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. To be able to fly? 
Yeah. It's a popular one. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> or transport from race to race without having to fly yeah. on a plane. And <laughs> right. All, or even the um, able to regenerate yourself, you know, get your yeah. every day. Yeah, of, exactly. Yeah. That would be nice. Feels brand new. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, thank you again. This has been awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me. And it was great to meet you both. Nice to meet you Thank too. You so and much. We really want to get to Manitoba and do some some of the races out there because we know that you have you have quite a few trail races. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Maybe I'll get to meet you guys in person. That would be awesome. It would okay. be. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you too. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. Well, well, well. That was Caroline. <laughs> Her dreams came true. Yes, they <laughs> sure did. I don't know about you, but. I think that sandstorm would have sunk me. Well, when she was explaining the sandstorm, how they all huddled together, <laughs> it was like March of the Penguins <laughs> in the funny. desert. But I guess Antarctica is a desert too. So. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and they're trying to protect the little baby one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, man. Good for her. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what's going to be with her next venture, but I'm looking forward to hear what she has to say. Well, she's going to have to outdo herself. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. And if you don't mind, please give us a like, give us a follow, give us a share on social media. And if you have an idea for a guest, please drop us a line. Gotta run racing at gmail.com. Till next time. Cheers. Ooh, that was quite the marathon. Thanks for listening to the Gotta Run Racing podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Please visit us at gotarunracing.com for more information on our events or simply drop us an email at gotarunracing at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel to stream the video version of this episode. Oh, and if you like my voice, check me out at tylerherchuk.ca. T-Y-L-E-R-H-Y-R-C-H-U-K. Gotta run!